In 2003, Holmes had dropped out of college and used her quote unquote education trust, which I I, I think she was just rich. <laughs> and you know, whatever her parents put aside for her college tuition, I guess that she called it a trust. It might've been large enough to be a trust. She My was, education trust was a thousand bucks my dad gave me for books. He's like, this is all you're getting, <laughs> like, good luck. <laughs> My education trust was a pat on the back, so. Um, yeah. <laughs> hey guys, welcome to Product Explained, a show where we talk about products and the company's history and strategy behind them. I'm your first host, Jeff Lee. And I'm your co-host, Mike Alcazarin. Hey, Jeff, is it true that all you need in Silicon Valley is confidence and a black turtleneck? Yeah, that and an impossible idea, literally. Today's show, we're talking about Theranos, a health technology corporation famous for a mini blood test machine. Yeah, so what Theranos was, what their product was, is what the tech industry calls vaporware, which is more commonly known as smoke and mirrors. <laughs> so they ultimately ended up raising $700 million in venture capital for something that didn't work at all. Yeah. Their alleged product that they had was a novel blood test that required an extremely small microscopic amount of blood that could produce tests faster than the commercially available blood tests that are out there that most pharmacies and blood test facilities were using. So their product was a blood test that only required a finger prick. Uh, then it was transferred to something that Theranos called a nanotainer that they then shipped to a device or plugged into a device called the Edison. Uh, the founder had publicly stated in a commencement address that the, this codename was in honor of the Thomas Edison quote, where it's, I've not failed, I've just found 10,000 ways that won't work, end quote, which is a really interesting yeah, uh, quote. Yeah, it ended up being I true. Think, <laughs> yeah, it ended up being very, very true for, for Theranos. Um, also, quick anecdote on Edison. I'm a huge anti-Edison person. I think that he just... Yeah stole a lot of ideas and was a really brilliant marketer. I'm more on the Tesla side of things, but that's a whole rabbit hole we can get to for a separate um, episode. But diving into like what Theranos built from a physical standpoint, they had something called what I mentioned previously, rather the nanotainer. And it was actually really cool. So it's essentially a two-part device about half the size of a chapstick that was able to hold and store blood from just a finger prick. You basically hold this little plastic device up to your, uh, after you've pricked blood and then you pull one one end of it and it draws blood like a syringe. And that pulling action would move the blood into a, this nanotainer. And then you could take the nanotainer out of this chapstick device. And it looked like basically a, a tiny fingernail sized vial of blood. You had like a left side and a right side. So mm -hmm. really cool. I, I'd love to like uh, actually see one to see like how it worked because that actually looked like it, it worked and actually looked pretty novel. The Edison, this is where the quote unquote magic was happening or <laughs> magic was not happening, but it was literally a black box. So imagine just your desktop PC sized box and sat in a lab somewhere and you plug the nanotainers into this and it would spit out a blood test. This Edison device was actually advertised as being able to do over 240 types of blood tests, um, testing anything from celiac disease to cocaine in the bloodstream. So very wide range of tests there, but yeah. more than a, uh, a typical blood test uh, could do. Basically, Theranos <clears throat> was trying to do things faster, cheaper, and more breath, and just really 10x every single aspect of blood testing. But there's a ton of science that goes into blood testing that you couldn't just fake your way into and yeah. you couldn't just tech your way into. But yeah, all of this sounds like really cool. It was developed by a woman named Elizabeth Holmes, who was the, the founder, who we'll get to in a minute. 
Of note, at Theranos' peak, I believe she had 84 patents to her name when building this tech. So I'm curious if those patents are, are, are still valid. I, I imagine they are, because once you patent an idea, I don't even know if it necessarily needs to work. But Was she awarded um, them, I guess? Yeah, that's that's a good question. I, I know she, uh, maybe it was like early stages of the patents or just mm-hmm. like the, the patent pending, but yeah. I don't know. So yeah, if we if we talk about the business model, it's pretty simple. They just stole money. <laughs> they uh, it was it was a it's not a marketplace. It's just a scam. <laughs> so that was what Theranos was doing. Unfortunately, I hate to laugh because like millions and millions of dollars, tens of millions of dollars, and even just from the health aspect of people that were trusting Theranos to to run blood tests and they were not being able to pr- produce the results that you're expecting. It's super super serious. But yeah, this business model was was no bueno. Um, not very good. We can talk more about the actual device itself, but I think it'd be interesting to talk about the history of the product because at its core, this was like a large scale scam and really driven by, I guess, the evil mind of Elizabeth Holmes. We're not necessarily like a true crime podcast, but (laughs) in this case today, like we're kind of going to cosplay as that a little bit. So let's talk about how this idea came to be. So Elizabeth Holmes was a Stanford student and the founder of Theranos. She came up with this idea of a drug delivery patch while she was at Stanford, eventually developing what was called like lab on a chip technology, which like Mike was alluding to was hopefully going to allow these micro labs to be able to run a multitude of tests. Today, when you're writing blood tests, you have to draw a lot of blood and send them to a lot of different specialized labs. And obviously with, you know, all the logistical hassle, it costs a lot of money to do that. So the hope is with something like the Edison was that you could just do all that in one place centrally uh, and it's going to save the health industry a lot of money. So yeah, Elizabeth Holmes, she's got this really novel idea uh, to make blood tests cheaper and more accessible, maybe democratizing the idea of blood tests, being able to send these Edisons to like, you know, other places, smaller rural areas, etc. So everyone can get access, drive the cost down. It all sounded great, but it clearly wasn't the truth. In 2003, Holmes had dropped out of college and used her quote-unquote education trust, which I, I I think she was just rich. <laughs> and, you know, whatever her parents put aside for her college tuition, I guess that she called it a trust. It might have been large enough to be a trust. She my was, education trust was a thousand bucks my dad gave me for books. He's like, this is all you're getting. <laughs> like, good luck. <laughs> my education trust was a pat on the back. So, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So she used her education trust to actually found Theranos. Uh, the name comes from a combination of therapy and diagnosis. In 2012, Theranos had partnered with a grocery chain, Safeway, which is a large grocery chain here in the California West Coast area, for $350 million for their in-store oh blood God. tests at 800 locations. So this is like a oh pretty big God. injection of money. <laughs> because of like... So painful. Right. $350 million. Yeah, Ugh. exactly. Um, because of like a bunch of missed deadlines and kind of like questionability from the results of a trial clinic, Safeway actually canceled the deal in 2015. So three short years later, they're like, this isn't working. We're comparing this with other labs and what you're promising isn't exactly what you're delivering. Uh, so imagine being like the, like the business development manager, whomever at Safeway, like this poor guy or gal that authored this deal. I, I feel so bad <laughs> because like who wouldn't want this you know it's like a tech company in silicon valley is going to disrupt something and create this whole new business arm for you and you get your leadership to invest 350 million dollars into yeah um, and i would just keep in mind that like the reason why a grocery store chain is interested in this is because safeway has a pharmacy like a lot of these mm-hmm. grocery stores have like a pharmacy sometimes it's partnered with like a cvs or a walgreens but they've got like a safeway pharmacy in the back and so it's part of their you know business model is to have this like one-stop shop for Everything from groceries to maybe like small appliances to your medicine that you might need on a day-to-day basis. 
2015, a Stanford professor, John Lonitis, revealed in the Journal of the American Medical Association, that's a mouthful, that actually no peer-reviewed research had been published from Theranos, which is a big red flag. If you're in the you know medical devices or health tech industry, you want to have like a lot of yeah. smarts behind what you're doing, uh, a lot of like well-published people in academia that are like backing up what you're claiming, especially with your core product. And he was just basically calling out that like, hey, like nobody's actually peer-reviewed any of this. So it's kind of this like hush-hush, hey, we're saying on our side of the aisle that this is working and nobody's actually fact-checked them. Totally. And, and I know the founder, Elizabeth, was super into like being secretive and like just having this mm-hmm. persona, like very much like Steve Jobs. Like she wore a black turtleneck and she even like like lowered her voice where she almost like talked deeper. It was very weird. If you watch like her her talking, it feels very unnatural for how, like how she was talking. Yeah. But it was just this whole persona where, where she wanted to be secretive. She wanted to be exclusive. I think that was one of the first layers of defense for why they didn't have any peer-reviewed or why they said they didn't have any peer-reviewed research is just because they believe that competitors were out to get them. I think Theranos is like the ultimate example of fake it until you make it. So Elizabeth Holmes, like you said, I think she probably watched like a TED talk that said people listen to you if you have a deeper voice. So she like emulated this deep voice. And I think that there was some audio clip somewhere of her forgetting to put on that voice Mm -hmm. in an interview. And so you can hear her switch gears in the middle of the interview from like a regular voice into a deep voice, which is like really crazy. So in 2015, another university professor from the University of Toronto analyzed Theranos Tech and said that, quote, most of the company's claims are exaggerated. Also in 2015, John Carew of the Wall Street Journal uh, wrote that Theranos was actually using traditional machines to provide the results. So what he was claiming was that Theranos would take some of the blood um, or maybe all the blood from these nanotainers and not put them in the Edisons, but take them to the back and run them on traditional diagnostic machines to spit out the results so that they can compare them and say, hey, look, our, our machines are actually working. They're providing the same results as like a calibrated working machine. So he was kind of like one of the first... I won't call it like the first whistleblower, but one of the first ones to actually publicize it. I think he's the one who ended up writing the book, Bad Blood, which I'll talk about in a little bit. Tyler Schultz, which was another Theranos employee, he had a really interesting problem, which was his grandfather was a Theranos director and he was working at Theranos. But he was actually one of the first whistleblowers to talk to John Carreyu for that Wall Street Journal story. So he's kind of credited with being, you know, someone of like high ethical character I think he's yeah. going to be in a lot of ethics classes moving forward about like being the whistleblower at a company where you feel like they're doing something illegal. <laughs> <laughs> totally. And, and like you're, it's like literally family ties. Yeah. So, yeah. Good, good for Tyler for, for, for talking through. And it is, yeah, I, I imagine that either an ethics class or corporate governance class will just love this story of like <laughs> where all the lines are, are drawn. So, you know, who basically who's going to, who's going to speak out if there's dead bodies <laughs> and when, yeah. where are they hidden? Exactly. And I, I remember from like one of the documentaries he had like clashed with his grandfather at first because his grandfather's like, you know, what you're doing here is basically like career suicide. And obviously his grandfather, who was on the board, like wanted to believe Elizabeth Holmes because she was such a gravitating character. And so, yeah, I think that that was like all really interesting for, for him to come out and mention that. Also in 2015, 2015 clearly was a really bad year for Theranos. It's kind of set <laughs> off right. a lot of things in motion. Uh, so they, they disputed all these claims. They sent lawyers after the sources. I know they sent lawyers after Tyler. They hired a firm to erase mentions of the Wall Street Journal in the Wikipedia article for Theranos and people wouldn't know about it. That's when you start seeing people kind of do this revisionist history thing. So shady. Yeah, you know that something's like clearly, clearly wrong. Yeah, like when they're spending more money on lawyers as opposed to product development and making it actually work, you have issues. Exactly. FDA interactions with Theranos were also scrutinized. So there was a formal inquiry for the FDA review dating back to 2012. 
And then a 2015 FDA inspection resulted in multiple violations, which Theranos disputed. So there's kind of like this weird back and forth of like, hey, are you guys actually doing enough investigation into Theranos? And then when they kind of got put on the hot seat, then they were like, oh, actually, Theranos isn't doing their due diligence, right? So again, like, I think with all the secrecy that Elizabeth Holmes had, it was probably hard for the FDA to like actually get into the offices and like review any of the tech and like make any determination until like there was a large public pressure to do this. So yeah, I I, I can definitely see why um, this ended up happening. Totally. And and to like Elizabeth's and yeah, to Elizabeth Holmes' credit, she put together this stellar board of directors. I remember, you know, just like these like people from ex-government, ex-military, and it's almost like you wouldn't even question it. You know, like they had so much cachet that it's like, oh, it's like you have like an ex-general. It's like, oh, this this technology has to work. Yeah. And so it was this like reality distortion field. I mean, she was very charismatic. She was able to convince people and bring people on to this, this idea. And uh, the, people wanted to believe her and had this reality distortion field, you know, I know Apple had quoted that Steve Jobs had it, and she definitely had it as well at, at Theranos, where it just had to be true because she said it. Yeah. And if I remember correctly, the board was like very powerful, influential people, but not anybody that had any expertise in the medical exactly. field. So basically, they were just relying on Elizabeth and saying, oh, like she's super smart. She's a Stanford dropout. She's a prodigy. So I'm going to defer to her for her opinion. And obviously, she used that to her advantage by deceiving everybody on the board. So in 2016, this is where things you know, really accelerated going downhill. Theranos came under criminal investigation by the SEC for misleading investors because at the time they had raised a ton of money, obviously. Also in 2016, they had voided two years of results from the Edison device, which is the device Mike had mentioned, which was a small blood testing machine, centrifuge machine. So they basically said, hey, yeah, our last two years of results, just ignore that. They don't count anymore, which is terrifying. Also in 2016, the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, so CMS, revoked Theranos' CLIA certificate and basically told that the owners and operators of Theranos were not allowed to operate a clinical lab for two years. So at that point, they like, you know, can't do business anymore. And then Theranos actually closed its labs and wellness centers and laid off 40% of its workforce in 2016. So if you thought 2015 was a bad year, 2016 got even worse. (laughs) 2015 was like, hey, something's wrong. 2016, it was like, Theranos is like, oh, shoot, we have to pretend to care. And then it basically trickled out into 2017 and 2018. So in 2017, Theranos had laid off another 41% of its workforce, which at that time was about 150 people, and had to close its last facility. They had to settle a suit with Walgreens that year for a breach of contract to the tune of $30 million. Fortress Investment Group actually came in at the last second and loaned them $100 million to keep Theranos solvent into 2018. And Man, I would hate to be whoever made that investment on fortress yeah exactly <laughs> you know it's exactly. like giving a like it, that's like throwing a lifeboat at the entire titanic and saying a hundred million dollar lifeboat and saying hey you know you grab go. onto this yeah <laughs> exactly yeah exactly they're just like burning money at that point and so finally theranos laid off like more people and they're down to under 25 employees again like just to, like keep the doors I wouldn't even say open at this point, like keep the lights on. Um, keep the lawyers paid. At exactly. This point. <laughs> yeah. Um, there was a peak of 800 employees before everything went down. So that gives you an idea of like how quickly things went downhill. In 2018, the SEC charged Elizabeth Holmes and also former president Ramesh Sunny Balwani, claiming that they had engaged in years long fraud. Holmes had settled and paid uh, a monetary penalty. And then she obviously is not allowed to lead a public company for 10 years. Small note on Holmes and Balwani. In one of the documentaries, they talked about that they had this weird like backdoor 
like personal relationship and they were, people thought that they were dating or deceiving people together. So it was like also kind of sketchy. And that's why they were kind of incriminated together. In 2018, Holmes and Balwani were indicted on multiple counts of wire fraud and conspiracy to commit wire fraud. And then so at that point, all the charges were kind of laid out. Uh, in 2020, trial was supposed to begin, but obviously got delayed due to COVID. And in 2021, prosecutors formally accused Holmes and other executives of destroying evidence in Theranos' final days. So this is oh, quite the goat rodeo, if you will, to, for <laughs> lack of a better word. To give you an idea of where Theranos was at before basically becoming worthless overnight, in 2014, they had raised more than $400 million with a $9 billion valuation. And That's in, insane. Yeah. And by 2018, it was reported that in total, investors had lost $600 million by privately investigating in Theranos. Yeah, yeah it's, it's it's a lot of American dollars for for vaporware, but because of like their their mission, I can I can see how this all like how it all came to be. You know, like from what you mentioned, from like the board of directors being people with a lot of cachet, but no one had medical expertise, yeah. all the way to just it being just selling it to employees. You know, right. that wanted to work for you. Like, how do you bring all these people onto this idea? It's like, hey, we're gonna make blood testing so cheap, and it's gonna help so many people. That's something that I would get behind. You know, I'm like super mission driven person. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, like I want to work for a company that's doing this because it's going to be great for healthcare. And so it's so sad that it was just built on this like fundamentally like yeah, you know, basically impossible idea of doing everything that they that they were doing. I think it gives like tech companies a really bad name too. Like a lot of times, there's a lot of tech companies that are out for these like very ambitious social goals. And in this case, like they took that uh, to their advantage. They used that to their advantage to deceive people for money. Uh, totally. thinking that they could like let this thing ride and eventually figure out how to make this thing work. I'm not sure if Holmes thought that she would eventually figure out this problem or if she knew the entire time that she would always just be leading this like, you know, scam, this scheme. I have a feeling it's that really she, unclear. Yeah, yeah, I have a feeling that she actually thought that she could figure it out. I totally think so, too, is that she's like with enough money and like enough people working yeah. on this, like it's just like let's create this flywheel and like we'll figure it out because like we'll you know put our we'll like we'll attract the best engineers and like it's right. definitely like a it's a noble cause like a, yeah yeah and it's, it's like it's probably a technically solvable problem but like maybe like i don't know like i'm just like I'm, i know nothing about blood testing i just know that it requires like a significant amount to, to do all the blood mm-hmm. testing they yeah. want to I have, I have no idea but she she must have like believed to her core that it would would have worked I think that- or or maybe she got too far into it in like 2015, 2016, where she's like, we just have to keep the facade up. Yeah. And maybe that'll buy us enough time to actually solve this problem. Yeah, I don't know. maybe. I, I remember that there was a time where she went to a Stanford professor and kind of pitched this idea. And the professor was like, this can't work because there's a theoretical limit um, to how much blood you need. And it just wasn't enough blood to run on these tests. So I, I don't know, like, you're right that like, obviously, technology moves forward, but science is proven to be a lot of times like the driving laws. And uh, maybe there's other things that we haven't considered or haven't discovered via science. But yeah, there's I think that's part of the trouble is that a lot of people just didn't know like enough about the company. It's all like this big investor roadshow, right? Like they're going around and telling people like what what could be happening. And nobody really knows the science behind it. So you kind of get deceived into pitching all this money into it. And I think for all the like investment wins that people talk about with VCs, there's a lot of <laughs> losses, right? Like people invest in, totally. you know, they, they kind of spread their money out and they're hoping that one of those investments hit at like 100x and like this looked to be like a home run. But, you know, they lost a lot of money and that's just kind of the nature of, of venture capital. But I, I just thought it was like kind of interesting to call it because this is a very well-documented, very 
well-known case of that. And yeah, and I, I just thought it was like a really interesting case study. It, yeah, and it, it, it yeah, and it makes me wonder like when do you? Because I I I know that they wanted to just have this idea of the, the most the smallest amount of blood as possible. Mm-hmm. Like that was definitely a huge selling point. Yeah, because like you didn't need to have all these like massive vials and all of that. But I guess like once you realize that like you were struggling with that. I think you just need to be quick to pivot. And and I, I guess like it's not clear to me why they didn't pivot to just drawing a little bit more blood, you know, or maybe yeah. like reducing the number of tests because they were trying to make this like giant step function. You know, it was like going Do right it all. from like, yeah. yeah, it was like going right from like the Wright brothers and, you know, flying 1.5 miles, like however like long they flew on like their second and third flights to saying, we're going to go to the moon. Yeah. Like that's literally what she yeah, was yeah. trying to do. And so I think, a lot of I think constraints are good when you're you know designing and you're engineering things, that, but sometimes you just need to adjust those and realize like, hey, we're not going to be able to hit this. Let, let's tone it down as much. I think maybe they could have been successful if they like, pursued a quarter of, of what they were doing right. as opposed to just going gung ho on making this massive promise, and then you've kind of built this house of cards where you can't escape because you've made all these promises, and it's this we, this this negative flywheel that you can't escape. Yeah, for sure. There's way more details that we just obviously can't cover in this show. I think two really awesome bits of like books and pop culture that you might want to check out is there's a book that's written by John Carreyou, who's the guy who wrote the original Wall Street Journal article called Bad Blood, Secrets and Lies in a Silicon Valley Startup. Such a good book. And there's also a documentary on Netflix, I think, that's called The Inventor Out for Blood in Silicon Valley. And I love that both of them use the word blood in their title. It's like really funny and quirky, but yeah, those are two really good resources. It's a really interesting story. I definitely check it out. If you are interested in tech, are interested in crime, uh, are interested in these like really weird personalities like Elizabeth Holmes. Totally. And you know, normally like at this section of the show, we talk about the customer for who Theranos was for. And, you know, I think it was super apparent that Theranos was really for the existing blood market. Yeah. And I did a little bit of research before and it was it's massive market. So I, I mean, $74 billion is spent globally on blood testing. And that was like the 2020 numbers. It's also growing at a really good clip of, you know, 8.3%, which means that by 2028, it's going to close to double to $140 billion. So uh, I think they're operating in like the, like a very lucrative space that if you can disrupt this by offering something that's like 10x better, like, yeah, these companies are going to go after. And as Jeff mentioned, the companies that they wanted were pharmacies. It's yeah. like, how can we make blood testing more just simpler, faster, cheaper for people to get? So that's why Safeway dumped $350 million American dollars into retrofitting 800 of their locations to include these clinics. So yeah, I think they, they're definitely going after a huge market. It was just such a shame that it was kind of a uh, smoke and mirrors. I think it's just like the health industry is just so prime for innovation. And I think that's why people want to be a part of it. I mean, like you think about these like insane soaring health premiums, uh, yeah. how insurance works, how like weird the logistics are for like being able to see a doctor. And then you look at like other countries and how easy it is to like be able to get surgery and like pay nothing in like European countries, for example. I think part of the reason why there's like a lot of room to innovate is because it's a really old antiquated bog down system that like rewards, I guess, like backdoor rule sets, right? Like figuring out a way to kind of skirt the existing regulations and rules uh, to be able to make like a lot of money. I want to highlight another person who's kind of done this, which is Martin Screlly. Oh man. Yeah. Who, Basically, he had a a big pharma company and he basically took what was like a pill used to 
keep some people alive that was originally $11 per pill or something. And he like cranked the price up to like $1,000 per pill. And he's basically like putting a big middle finger to uh, the way insurance works. And his claim was, I'm not hurting the little guy. I'm really just hurting the insurance companies because at the end of the day, most of these people are insured and Mm -hmm. I'm just making money off the insurance companies because the cost of production is still the same and I can set the price at whatever I want. And he also said, like, if you are someone who can't get this pill because you're not on insurance, then come talk to me. We'll be able to, like, provide it for you. But I mean, still, like, people are not happy about his decision and how he kind of manipulated the market. And uh, yeah, we can do a whole episode on him, too. But uh, he's yeah, uh, I mean, he, he just looked at like, like the business, like a, like a spreadsheet. But yeah. it's really people's lives that, that are at right. stake, you yeah. know, with like these like life saving drugs. And it. it the pharma and the healthcare industry is one of these really interesting industries where it's it's highly regulated and highly capital intensive. Like you need a lot of money mm-hmm. to develop all of this technology. So I do get like companies like the big pharma companies that want to charge these like massive prices because they need to be able to fund their R&D. But at some point, it's just like it's it's crazy amounts and it's just too much and something's like fundamentally broken. But then I could argue with myself where like we need all this regulation because of companies like Theranos where if they try to skirt regulations, they could put people's lives at risk. You know, if people need a blood test to find out if you have cancer or anything like that or you're really sick, like you really need to make sure it's accurate and you need to have trust. So I totally get like that that balance there. And I I think that Theranos, it, it just really just exposed and I think the healthcare industry will be set back for a while because it's going to be so skeptical yeah, of all the ton of claims that come out. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Just really quickly, let's touch on a couple of competitors. I think I don't think it's easy to compare anyone to Theranos, but some folks that are on here are Genomic Health, uh, 23andMe, and LabCorp. I think the first two is mostly around like genetic tests, these like take-home tests and this idea that you can get genetic testing really easily and they've kind of scaled that. For 23andMe, I've done it before. You're like, you know, spit into a tube and you mail it off and then they run a bunch of tests on you. So it's kind of cool. Um, similar idea, but like you said, like not going from uh, the first flight to like trying to get to the moon. It's a little bit more reasonable. And then LabCorp, I think, is like one of the largest like diagnostic centers. So they do like a testing for a whole bunch of different things and they have like locations all throughout the US. And I, I think that's like one of the maybe more direct competitors to Theranos was like them and how they're running their diagnostic tests. Let's talk about our thoughts here. <laughs> I'm happy to start. I mean, what's there to say more? Uh, like, obviously, it's a failure of a company. It's hard to even call it a real company. It was more of a scam. I think it's like more of a case study in how people like to believe people that feel confident in what they're talking about, like Elizabeth Holmes. I think what's sad is that a lot of people were really tricked into this idea of, I mean, I care less about the investors. They're going to lose money yeah. here and there. But I, I care more about the people that thought, oh, this is going to allow me to like cut costs on like my blood tests or provide access to people that don't typically have access to diagnostics. I think that's where it's really sad. But the reality is like, if you can't get it, you can't get it right. Like you can't, like I said, you can't beat science, unfortunately. So uh, the one thing that I will say is that I, I like this idea of the vision, right? So like the vision that Elizabeth Holmes had was probably the main reason why people invested and people thought that this was like, a socially good company at first, which is this idea of like, how do we provide blood testing diagnostics for more people? Maybe not to this level of like promising things you can't deliver, but like, how can we do that? That's more uh, democratized or scalable or accessible or whatever. So 
I like that idea. I, I'm only the only points I'm gonna give to Theranos are just for that idea, and everything outweighs it so much that I'm just gonna score it like a zero point five. I mean, like they <laughs> yeah. they literally just like stole money. They made a machine. Some other things to talk about in terms of the Edison machine. I heard that it would like break vials, those nanotainers inside the machine, so there's like blood and broken glass everywhere, and these technicians would have to like go in and reach in to like grab the vials, and it was just like a mess. But oh, so yeah, sketchy. it's it's incredible how they can scam their way into millions and millions of dollars. But there's a reason why she's going to jail. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I fully agree with the zero star rating. I will say I will give Elizabeth Holmes a five star rating out of five for being able to pitch yeah <laughs> like to be able to basically raise 600 700 million dollars for nothing that's pretty impressive like i'll give you that granted it was very illegal and like you said that you're going to jail i think that her yeah is her scale and maybe she's not gonna go to jail i don't know we'll, we'll see i think the her trial is gonna be august 31st mm-hmm. 2021 yeah. so we'll, we'll check back in at a, at a later episode maybe but I think her talents could have been put to use in like some other like role of like just selling a vision of of something else. So such a shame, but I don't think she, I agree with SEC's decision. She shouldn't run a a public company or even a private company. I mean, for the amount of like fraud that, that, that went through there, but yeah, zero stars. I mean, what's going to happen is she'll write a book about it and like make money off the book. (laughs) If she, if she doesn't go to jail or if she goes to jail for like a shorter amount of time, like she's probably going to write like some tell all, and then make money that way. I think that she should um, get in touch with a guy that planned the fire festival. <laughs> like it's like the same <laughs> thing, but in a different industry. So yeah, and we'll get Martin Scarelli to to fund it. Oh you know? my god, like, <laughs> he'll underwrite everything. Well, cool. Hopefully, this podcast wasn't a disaster like Theranos. I think this was a good one. So uh, <laughs> those are our thoughts on Theranos, and we'd love to hear from you, our audience. So definitely reach out to us. We love when our audience reaches out to us. You can find us on both Instagram and Twitter at Products Podcast. That's P-R-O-D-E-X Podcast. Yeah, and if you like the show, be sure to like us and subscribe on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc. And let us know what products we should review next. See you next episode.